Unless you've made a serious mistake, you are currently listening to a free excerpt of the committee program with me, Arun Chaudhary. Our show contains lots more global politics, and you can become a member at fans.fm slash committee to receive our full YouTube show, audio, plus other exclusive content. That's fans.fm slash committee. And be sure to check out our YouTube show every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Namiki Konst YouTube channel. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the committee program. I'm Julia Doubleday and this is a dispatch from the field. I'm here in Santiago, Chile, and with me is Barbara Sepulveda. She is an elected member of the Constitutional Convention, where delegates are currently rewriting the Chilean constitution to replace the one written under brutal dictator Augusto Pinochet. She is a constitutional lawyer who graduated from the University of Chile. She also holds a master's in gender from the London School of Economics and Political Science. She's currently a professor of constitutional law, political theory, and feminist theory of law at the Alberto Hurtado University. Barbara is joining us today to talk about the many, many exciting things happening in Chilean politics, from the presidential elections, which will take place this Sunday, to the ongoing constitutional convention and what that process looks like, uh, to the recent impeachment in the lower house of the current President Pinar. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us today, Barbara. Thank you. Uh, before we sort of dive headlong into what's happening right now, we want to like take it back a couple of steps and do a little bit of a history lesson. So first we want to talk about this constitution that's being replaced. So when was it written? Why was it written? Who was involved in writing it? And why is there this need to replace um, the prior constitution? It was during the dictatorship. Um, well, Pinochet, he formed this commission of men, mainly just men, only two women participated. Um, he asked uh, for a new constitution that would lead to um, authoritarian democracy because they were thinking about replacing the constitution from 1925, but also they tried to store a regime that will last a lot of time. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of Democrats and, and Democrats in the in the commission, in the committee, um, but the dictatorship just get them working like for a lot of years, just trying to design this regime that was very authoritarian, um, who had a military and and the police always um, overseeing all the um, all the institutions were civil institutions. So they tried to make the this this figure of the dictator just um, led to a president who was who were had all the this um, um, I don't know how to. It's um, all this this um, this power that he held during the dictatorship, but being a president and a democracy. So the constitution was designed for that, for a democracy who was, um, we say, democracia uh, tutelada. That means that you have all the democracy just uh, retained into um, 
uh, frame of, of um, constitutional norms, um, legal uh, norms that just kept the power in a little group of people. Mm -hmm. That people also is the um, right-wing people um, with money, with power in a country. And that's been for 30 years after the dictatorship. This constitution had a lot of reforms, but never, not even one of them, just um, question the the center of the power that that the the um, goals that that same constitution tried to put in our democracy. So the the main the main um, author of that constitution, Jaime Guzman, mm -hmm. he said, "We're gonna make a constitution, so it doesn't matter." which government, which um, politicians are in power, all the things are going to remain the same. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be like the illusion that things are changing, but nothing's right. going to change. Right. So essentially this constitution, um, the way it was written, the central core tenets of it um, were dedicated to protecting the wealth of a few a small group of people and to maintaining that wealth and to protecting valuable land, water and resources from ever benefiting the public um, as a whole. So over the last few decades, it sounds like there have been a lot of reforms to this constitution, but um, ultimately on a, just a, a deep level, it's not reformable because it was it was written so that you could never change the fundamental um, a fundamental goal of um, what they were trying to accomplish, which is just this sort of maintenance of the oligarchy in the long term. That's right. Um, so more recently, uh, before the uh, measure passed that you guys were going to write a new constitution, uh, just in the last like five years, we saw these really massive protest movements, which mm -hmm. I know were um, partially a big piece of how the constitution you know, constitutional convention came to be. So can you tell us about these protests that have been going on over the last five years? What specific things were people protesting? Um, why were people so upset? And how did that energy sort of lend itself to this movement to rewrite the constitution? I think it has a lot to do with the, the problems that we have in our kind of democracy. Mm -hmm. um, especially because people always say, this is, a, this is a comment say here that they go to vote on the elections, but nothing changes in mm. their lives. Everything, yes. everything remains the same. Mm -hmm. So that, that thing, like just going to vote, even if we, if we, we are changing governments between one party and, and another, and nothing changes for their lives, that tells us a lot of what our system is and mm -hmm. how it works yeah. and how the constitution works. So we have here um, a system that kept the state just um, restrained by the constitutional norms. So just the private sector will go and provide for the people with costs. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. you need to have money here right. 
to have uh, good health care, mm-hmm. um, education, mm-hmm. quality education, and also to have um, a pension if you if you retire and if you're an old person in our country it's just you don't want to be an old person in Chile and um, there a lot of people old people needs to continue working after mm-hmm. the retirement yeah because they don't have enough money to survive this is a, a an expensive country things cost a lot we don't have social rights guaranteed by the state so we we had this system it's it's well you know Chile was the neoliberal laboratory of the war yes yes so we have the worst of neoliberalism mm-hmm. um, and all the efforts that have been made to just trying to to give um, some help to the people mm-hmm. economically it's just it's not enough um, so the private sector just um, with this uh, mo- monopolizing everything yes. in the social rights has been um, or, or just had a lot of consequences for the, most of the people the majority of people We have a system that is supposed to be designed for the state just to... I'm so sorry about that. Hi, kitty. Hi, kitty. Okay. Just now. So we have, we have a system that was um, designed for, like, if... if You could imagine that um, the people who thought the system, if they were thinking like the best of it, they were thinking, okay, so we have a lot of people, they have money, they can pay for stuff. So let's give all of this to the private sector and the state is gonna act okay, yeah, it's gonna take part of this only for this little segment of, of the population who is really poor. Like mm-hmm. we're talking about extreme poverty. Right. But that doesn't work because during 30 years in our country, most of the people, because this is a, you have uh, bad salaries and, and this is an expensive country, so you have most of the people trying to get access to the public sector uh, mm, of mm-hmm. providing yes, social rights. Right. So public education, public health. Um, so you don't have uh, this little... Um, segment of the population just needed uh, just needing um, to the state to provide right so because it's the majority um, and because um, the state doesn't provide this led to a lot of um, anger and frustration and it, it kept the the post the protests here in Chile They, they didn't begin on, on didn't begin in you know, five years ago it was a lot of, of uh, years maybe 10 20 years okay. of protests yeah. um, education health labor um, we had uh, even the demand for a new constitution um, retirement programs and stuff and now in, in 2018, 
The feminist movement opened a gate of massive protests in Chile. So it was because of the feminist movement that I, I think something woke up and, and mm. you know, something woke up in the population. Yeah. And just a year after that, they we had the massive protests of um, transport and stuff. And that led to the estallido social. I don't know how you call it. How do you call it? Uh, Chilean... Yeah, I don't... No, you yeah. don't have a name for it? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Um, well, so what was the, like, sort of triggering event that... So you were saying, like, this movement, the feminist movement, was sort of opened the door to this. Was there something that happened that the feminist movement was really specifically rallying around when that's when they started to sort of um, you know spark off this much larger movement um, that movement was mainly uh, at the beginning um, because we don't have many laws that protect women um, from sexual abuse mm -hmm. sexual harassment especially on on universities and mm. schools, yeah. So the movement began there, okay, with those women, with those um, academic uh, academics and students, mm. and I think that led to other demands that were historical here from the feminist movement, mm -hmm. especially around violence, gender violence. <clears throat> And also uh, abortion and other mm -hmm. things that were we were protesting every year, yeah, all the time. But then with the students and the academic sector just very involved in this, mm -hmm. I think it had like this this power, maybe this youthful power yeah. <laughs> that led to bigger and bigger protests and then just a movement mm -hmm. and then we had the estallido social with um, in October and 19th and then we had las tesis so it was just like a, a snowball mm -hmm. of um, social movements that just um, we said estallido because it like something exploded. Yes. Yeah, so um, tell us a little bit about the violence in the riots of the police, uh, you know, shooting people with rubber bullets and that kind of stuff. I've noticed around the city, mm. I've seen like uh, the imagery of like an eye. Um, and I was told that like a lot of times when you see the eye or like an eye with blood or something, yeah. it's like to do with people getting their eyes shot out during mm -hmm. those protests by the police. Yeah. More than 400 people. Wow. <clears throat> yes, um, that was actually. I think that they ha we have two sides of the protests. <clears throat> One side is the colorful movement mm -hmm. with a lot of people. Just um, it, it was very cheerful, mm -hmm. and, and it. I think it brought us a lot of hope. Like uh, things can change. We can do better. Um, and then this B side, like this dark side of the protest that was, that, well, it involved all the 
um, violations of human rights mm -hmm. with the police and the military because we have yeah. military on the streets uh, on just um, shooting people uh, with rubber bu bullets but also with um, a different kind of bullet that um, it's a uh, lead Oh yeah, yeah. And they're very small. Um, it's like a I, pe pellet gun, maybe, or something like that. I don't know how you can yeah. say that in English, but um, well, I was because I was on the feminist association of lawyers here in Chile. <clears throat> we took this um, this role on the defense of human rights. Mm -hmm. So while my friends and uh, and everyone was like in these cheerful riots <laughs> and, and protesting. Uh, I was on, on the police um, police stations, just uh, trying to get all the detainees uh, out, um, just wondering where the people were because because there were so many detainees. Uh, like in yeah. in just one night, you had one thousand people, and and spread around the city and you didn't know where your family was so <clears throat> we had these lists that uh, people gave us like uh, that's my son that's my brother that's my mm. sister and i don't know where they are yeah. and we had to find them in and most of the time they were in in very bad conditions yeah so we have a lot a lot of violation of human rights and also with um, women protesters, mm. they had um, a lot of uh, abuse, sexual abuse from the police and from the military. So we had to um, we had to take uh, legal actions against the police, against the state, against the president, against the minister of of interior. So it was it was very very uh, a very dark moment of the protests, and that just kept going, mm -hmm. even though we had five different reports from, from um, organ uh, international organizations of human rights, mm. we had five different reports and nobody... They're did, just ignoring... Did, yeah, yeah. But in the government, of course, yeah, yeah. but NGOs and, and, right. and yeah, civil rights uh, organizations, we were just taking the lead on, on civil actions, penal actions, and, and they are still, you know, they're still going, yes. Um, so most of the cases never had a um, um, like a resolution? Or yeah. 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 Because police here, they, it's an institution that protects itself a lot. Yeah, and same in the U.S. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, so it's it's we had um, maiming, um, mutilation of people, and and thirty people died because in in the context of a protest that's not normal. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. That's yeah. So we had even um, impeachment for the president here because of the human rights violations. And you know, Congress just didn't do yeah. anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, so 
in the wake of these really massive protests, how did this whole process of rewriting the Constitution get started? Like, I know, I believe there was a ballot measure where people could vote whether they wanted to have a constitutional convention. Um, And then beyond that, when did you decide, okay, well, I think, you know, I would like to be involved. I'm a constitutional lawyer. Uh, When did you decide to run to be a delegate and and why? Uh, I think it was a process. Many people ask me that, and 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 trying, I'm trying to remember like if if it was like one moment and one day that I decided, and I actually I I, I don't remember. It, it was so those very turbulent times. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had this uh, this protests at the same time. We were trying to. Um, just uh, protect civil rights and we were taking action uh, and in, in just in human rights um, we have like a decir en español es observando um, uh, like watchers like civil watch, oh, like okay, watchdogs for civil rights oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. but also we were um, on, on the cards, just mm-hmm. so it was, and and suddenly, this huge demand for a new constitution just it began to to spread, and a lot of organizations were contacting us from from the Association of, of Feminist Lawyers, and because they they wanted to know. Um, because we, we, we try all the time to, to make the, the knowledge, that, the legal knowledge, more democratic like, mm-hmm. and, and going to, awesome. to, yeah, trying to, especially for women and, mm-hmm. and children, we're always trying to teach, like, um, these are your rights, this is how you can defend them. Um, so they were contacting us to go and explain people, like regular people, how the constitution works and mm. why do we need a change because everybody was talking about that yeah so i began to go just just i i i think i went to hundreds of assemblies and meetings just to talk about the constitution and how it is one of our main problems right <laughs> and how that actually affects our, our lives mm-hmm. that some some people just think the constitution is something like it's a, I don't know like a, something so abstract right abstract totally yeah, yeah. we have that issue for sure <laughs> but yeah but it's it's I think it's it's a civic education that we, we lack of but in that moment I realized that I could help um, with this knowledge and but also, because I, I'm a feminist activist, um, I had a lot of, of requests from my feminist um, compañeras, mm-hmm. <laughs> comrades, comrades, yeah, <laughs> um, comrades. to just they said like, if this is happening, like you should go, you yeah. should be one. So you did get encouraged. There were people. Yeah. Around you, who felt like you would be yeah, good because, in that. Role. Uh, but I'll also I asked them like. 
I'm not doing this alone <laughs> yeah. by myself. Yeah. Like going into an election, like this is not university. It's a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> it's a not... big deal. It's very scary. <laughs> because I had a lot of, I had like, um, um, it, 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 how do you say, like university politics. Like I, yeah. I participated there. Yeah, yeah. Like and the I student had government this, yeah. is what we call it, yeah. Yeah, I, I was one of the leaders and stuff, but that's, that's like... Very different. So different. Yeah. And I, I, I said like I don't, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm doing this because I have you, and if That's you great. come with me, like all these organizations, and and you don't leave me alone, then maybe I can do it. And also my, uh, because I, I'm I'm part of a political party, they said like um, you should go because you you have the knowledge and and all the qualities and. And feminism is so um, important right now in mm. Chile, mm. and because we had this very important role in feminism here in Chile with with the association, they said like, you have to go, please go. And I said, mm. okay, um, and and I I never thought I could win. A lot of people told me like. I was gonna win, but I, I never... You never believed it. No. I think never believe it. Actually, when I won, <laughs> I, I was like skeptical. <laughs> You're like, are you sure? Yeah. Maybe re recount. I call for a recount. Just, yeah. just to be sure. <laughs> I was like, what? I, I saw my name, my name on the TV and my picture and my you family <laughs> and all my comrades like just partying and yeah. celebrating. I was like, sitting there <laughs> what happened? yeah wow and then it's also that immediate question of like wow what have I gotten myself into because you know like you're so focused yeah. on the campaign then when you win it's like and now I have to do this thing that's yeah, a really and, and challenging have, thing I have all these conversations with people all the time mm -hmm. and they're like and the people in my district um the, my district is is very poor district mm -hmm. and they have a lot of people who tell me like you are our only hope wow. and I'm and I'm I don't know how the rest of the conventionals um, how do they sleep at night yeah. I, it's very hard for me I'm, it's a lot of pressure it's a lot of pressure I take all this responsibility upon my shoulders and I'm just like Okay, I'm doing this. I, I try to always answer everyone, talk to everyone, um, be present and in in the territories and, and um, communes and, and just like talking to NGOs all the time. Yeah. At the same time, I, 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 I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. They love cameras. I, yeah. I swear. That's why I don't do things in my because they are yeah they it's good. we like to have the cats come on camera that's actually part of our shtick we okay. like as many cats as possible okay, so here he comes I'm so sorry here's here's the big boy the big girl oh. yeah <laughs> just go um so what was i saying i'm just talking about you know after being elected and having yeah. to be in touch with so many stakeholders yeah. and yeah. having so many people relying on you and uh Another cat. <laughs> Curious. 
wanted to say hi. Now we got them both on, so they both got some <laughs> screen time, fortunately. <laughs> so yeah, uh, and, and uh, it's it's hard because we had to, we have just one year to do this. Okay. Yes. And it's um, I think it it gets most of the pressure is just because we had such little time to right. do this, but um, mostly I think because people owe are just putting all their hopes in us and mm. um, that this dream that things can change right like for the first time in 30 years on a real fundamental level yeah um, yeah I mean I definitely want to know more about this process and what's going on now um, you know what does it look like as a as a delegate when you go to work how does this process unfold? I mean, how does a group of like a few hundred people rewrite a constitution? And how long is this process going to be ongoing? And then what happens when the when the draft is done? Well, it was at the, at the beginning, it was um, very weird. I think <laughs> it, it was there was a lot of people there. Yeah. Nobody knew each other. Yeah. Um, we were real, like really weird summer camp. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, like the weirdest classmates, <laughs> like just, I, I don't know. We, there was a lot of uh, like suspicion, suspicion. Yeah. yeah. Between everyone. Yeah. Because we had, we have some, some of the constituents are uh, men who, had like this um, political experience and they were part of the Congress before. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's just a minority, but right. they have a lot of experience. So right. you had to be careful when you talk to them and maybe think to uh, things twice be right. before before you talk to them and what what they're. they're I don't know. They just—they're politicians. Like, yeah, they're, they're like politicians professional politicians. Then. You just have to be wary, you know, of yeah. What and you say to them. because we have a lot of people who comes from um, social movements, and and most of the people I think comes from social movements and NGOs and so on. Which is amazing. And that's another thing I wanted to mention or ask you about is just that I know I heard when the elections happened to elect the constitutional delegates that the sort of political establishment here was very rocked by yeah. the results because a lot of leftists and a lot of people outside of the um, sort of the political parties, political yeah. parties yeah. Did, didn't get elected. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that happened. And it's great. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we, we, I think we have a, this, this has been like a, a process of, of learning um, a lot of different realities. Mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, 17 escaños reservados, so like uh, reserved seats for indigenous people. Um, 17 uh, from different different indigenous people here. And, and we don't have anything like that mm. in, in another political assembly here. Right. Nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, we have 50% of women. And we have a lot of independents, not members from political parties, a lot of leftists, and almost none from mm. center. 
political center. And that was very surprising because they um, um, monopolized politics for 30 years. Yes. The center, right. the political center. And now it's gone. Yeah. Well, it's, and I mean, we're seeing this pattern everywhere. I think this is one of the things that really interested us in trying to do an international politics podcast is that in the U.S., we had Trump get into power and we saw this really major collapse of centrism. And there was a lot of confusion in the um, political elite. So the reaction to it was never like, let's figure out what's going on here. It was like, this is crazy. Everyone is crazy. <laughs> and like, it's yeah. just like, whether you think people are crazy or not, it's like a very unproductive way to analyze a situation. So like, if you get into a situation, you say, hmm, like the center doesn't seem to have a lot of people that are really excited about it anymore. Like the best reaction should be like, I wonder why. Um, and that hasn't been happening in the US. I mean, basically it's just been this um, really massive effort to like, like just pack everybody back into the moderate bag mm -hmm. and, um, you know, using Trump as sort of a cudgel to get people back in there and yeah. like elect Joe Biden. Um, but the reality is, I think we've seen it in Europe. We're seeing it here. We've seen it um, all around the world. There's this collapse of belief in political moderatism um, because there's a collapse of faith in our institutions, there's a collapse of faith that the future is gonna be better than the present. And I think ultimately what usually sustains centrism or moderatism is this idea that like the status quo is pretty good or it's okay or it's doing pretty good for me. So why would I wanna make a massive radical change where things could come out worse for me? But right now, most people living under um, very centrist politicians are saying, things are getting bad and it seems like they're only going to get worse. Yeah. So of course I want to make some kind of radical change. Mm. And whether that radical change is, you know, rewriting our constitution and making sure that people are able to reap the benefits of all the wealth we have versus, you know, locking all the doors and, you know, letting poor people die, which is yeah. a sort of fascist side of things. Um, you know, yeah. But that's that, also like a danger, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because for... For feminist movements happens all the time like we have this uh backlash mm. Mm -hmm. um it happened in in the u.s it happened in in central america it happened in brazil it right. happened in even i think even in argentina uh in this well, the little just amount of time for just a few years with macri um so it's it's a danger that that radical change could also be right. a radical just backlash. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think this is why uh, you know we sometimes talk about moderate liberalism being a sort of handmade into fascism because what happens is people need radical change. They need to be able to have healthcare. They need to be able to have education. They need to live on a planet that's not going to burn them alive and destroy yeah. all their crops. They need all of those things. So they're going to try and organize to replace the current system that we have. And sometimes when you're a wealthy, uh, moderate liberal who's doing well under, under the status quo, you really don't want to change the status of quo. Of course so what you, you don't. Yeah. So what you do is you continually try to destroy the left. And if you're successful, what you're left with is the fascists winning. I mean, this is uh, just a complete gift to them. And we saw it, um, I know here, when um, Allende was overthrown, 
there were a lot of people who were rich people who were like, well, I don't necessarily believe in like bombing our own government and having a military coup, but you know, Ayande is crazy and he's going to take my stuff. So like, yeah. yeah, So maybe Pinochet won't be that bad. Mm. So there is a sort of history of what, especially wealthy, moderate people enabling um, fascism, extreme right wingism, just just yes. to avoid having to like pay taxes or give anything away. Yeah. <laughs> um, they they are trying very hard during this constituent constituent process to maintain their privileges. Yeah, and they have a lot of them here, so it's it's hard because um, we know. Inside of the convention, they are the minority, and they're also the minority in in the rest of, of spaces of politics. But they have control of all the media, and they have control of what people hear and what people see, and it's it's very hard for us to contest the, those yeah. those kind of a, a propaganda. Yeah, we have the same issue. We have a few corporate media outlets and they're very, very, um, they all have the same outlook. Um, Fox News is more on the right wing, but they all generally have this sort of mm. centrist worldview that's like things are pretty good the way they are and radical change is crazy. Yeah. And if you're on the radical left, meaning like you want people to have health care, yeah. you're just as crazy as Trump who like, I know. wants everyone to yeah. die. <laughs> I mean, just just some people, not everyone. Yeah, they they try to do that. Um, Yeah, they they like to equate it. And I I believe that for us um, here in Chile, well, everything is is, going to be more clear um, this Sunday because of the elections. Yes. But um, some people I know very smart, intelligent people are very afraid of mm. yeah. of the extreme far right. Definitely. Um, to, I've heard to, that. Yeah, to be elected. So, like, because we have Bolsonaro here in Brazil, in right. South America. It's not impossible. I mean, it is, it is just this um, splintering that we're seeing everywhere. But so you brought it up. Let's um, pivot a little bit to make sure that we get in a little conversation about the reason I'm actually in town, which is the big election, the presidential election, as well as um, down ballot elections that are taking place this Sunday. Um, there are, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe there are six presidential candidates, but um, two are the, the main front runner, including Cast, who she was just mentioning, who's very far right. So could you tell us about these two front runner candidates and um, you know, maybe your expectation of what might happen on Sunday and also a little bit about Cast and, and why he's so scary? Well, he is scary for, for I think, <laughs> there's this, this deputy who said like exactly what this means for us. He, say, he said, this is civilization versus barbarian. Mm-hmm. Like, um, we, have <laughs> we have all this little progress that the constitution of, of the dictatorship allowed us to have mm-hmm. such little progress in, in women rights and LGBT rights and for human rights to be a, like a, a part of the common sense and now 
this 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 extreme fascist he's just trying to get us not not only backwards in history he's he's just i think he's trying to install a regime that looks a lot uh like a, a, a mixture between bolsonaro in brazil and trump in the us he's yeah. not talking about walls for uh, immigrants he's talking about um holes in the ground like la sanja how do you say that when when holes in the ground yeah like, like uh, a digging digging a uh, digging a um, um but like it's not a a a, a wall is is it's a hole in like the a ground. trench like a trench yeah in the frontier Oh, yeah. So he can stop yes. migrants. Yes, yes, to, like a trench. Yeah, yeah. To get into, into Chile, it's right. It's it's crazy, right? And everyone is talking about that like mm. it was so normal, right? It, because and that's why I think media has a lot of responsibility, and on on him just going um, up on the um, on, on TV. Yeah, and. Yeah. Uh, on las encuestas on like in the polls, polls yeah in the polls he's going up yeah and that's very frightening this is the same thing that also happened with trump i mean our media um gave him tons of free airtime you know Because like they would show his whole they would show a countdown to when he was coming on to his rally they would show his plane landing they would show him get off the plane then they would air his entire rally Meanwhile, Bernie Sanders was having these really, really massive rallies as well. I know. And they not only wouldn't record them or wouldn't show them, they never showed a minute of them. They wouldn't even mention them. Like, yeah. they were not even mentioned by I the know. media. And so, you know, you have this media environment where Trump just got hours and hours and But hours of coverage. normalized. Normalized. They, normalized. They, Absolutely they, normalized. They, yeah. they talk. They, right. they say things right. that are outrageous. And right. and people are just like, oh okay, you wanna okay, you wanna dig a trench on the frontier? Okay, of course. No, no, but the question is not like, what yeah. are you thinking? Like right. the question is, how much is that gonna cost? Mm. And, and right, it's, I see. Yes, it's very normalized. So normalized, right. uh, and okay, like that's we're just gonna, a normal expenditure yeah. that a government could have. We're gonna give um, some uh, help, uh, economic help to women who are married uh, women straight women who are married yes. with children um, that's gonna be the main like a uh, po um, public policy from our government and we're gonna build more um, more um, thermoelectricas um, thermal uh, yeah we have thermal power like thermal yeah heating? plants yeah. oh oh yes okay um <laughs> that the, the the same thing that cop 26 said like we need to stop doing just this. stop like now right now and yeah. he's even we have uh charcoal mines here in chile mm -hmm. we have a lot of minerals that are just like exploitation that are destroying our our environment and he says climate change We're not sure that's a real thing, and right. he, he just say things like that. Right. And and I think, what is this like? Ten years ago, you wouldn't see that on TV. So is uh, climate denial is like newer here? Like, is denial been 
Like in the U.S., yeah, we've had it does not, no, no. It's very, it's very new. I know okay. in the U.S. Okay, yeah. yeah. In the U.S., it's pretty much from day one. We've had this really massively um, bankrolled campaign to tell everyone it's fake. So um, that's been. It has been successful, but it's also been unsuccessful in the sense that because we have a very corrupt oligarchical government, if you look at the public polling, people actually do believe in it. Like a majority of people believe in it, even in the Republican Party, a majority of people believe in it. Um, but unfortunately, that's just not represented in our government because it's very controlled by oil interests. Um, so, yeah, we, we've had this like very long... Um, and I think it's, it's, it's kind of funny, like, like we... we how we have to talk about that now mm. like do you believe in right. it believe that must believe. be very it's not something to believe it's yeah. something that's happening it must be very we frustrating have, like, honestly yeah. to be just like getting introduced to this concept of like okay actually maybe it's fake because it's a very good um distraction right if we're all just arguing whether it's fake or not we're not even working on solving the problem because first we have to convince people it even exists which is this like very heavy lift despite yes, the fact that it's I like know quite obviously <laughs> happening at this point. I mean, like 10 or 15 years ago, I can see it was easier. Now it's like, I just get an alert every day on my phone that's like, oh, there was like a blizzard in a weird place and, you yeah. know, the sky opened up and cats fell out and, you know, whatever else. Yeah. Real end of times, weather <laughs> weather alerts. Yeah, and, and <laughs> the COP26, I was I was talking to these people uh, yesterday from this Chilean group of, of young women Mm-hmm. And they said, um, we, we thought we had 10 years to, um, to th- this very, very bad consequences started to show up, but now we have seven, mm-hmm. because every, like, every two months it's shorter. And yeah, well, so one of the really messed up things they do when they make those climate projections as well is that their goal until recently is we're going to limit warning warming to 1.5 degrees celsius which i think is like basically a pipe dream at this point um but even when they talk about it's impossible yeah even when they talk about their most aggressive plans to get us there all of the plans include technology that hasn't been invented yet and there's no proof that it will ever be able to exist so like um at scale carbon capture technology that doesn't actually exist like the way that we talk about it and the way we talk about it in the press it's like well we can use carbon capture they haven't been able to get it to work very well, and we certainly wouldn't be able to get it, get it to work well <coughs> enough and broadly enough in the time frame that we have um, for that to have any sort of massive imp- impact. But all of the projections, even like the good groups that are trying to do an honest projection of how climate change is going to affect the Earth, they always include this massive imaginary carbon capture in their in their strategies and yeah. in their projections. And also, how the governments say that like, uh, we have till. 2030 right. to do all of this mm-hmm. and when when you ask indigenous people like what do they think about that yeah and they say like oh so they have till 2030 to just devastate all <laughs> yeah. of, of the Amazonas yeah, just... and all of our lands right. and leave us with nothing right um, they have nine years to do that and in nine years they're gonna do that they're going to devastate everything because they're allowed to do it right. till 2030. Right. So, well, here in Chile, it's, it's, it's very, uh, the environmental issue is, is um, very, like, an, an emergent issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Constitutional Convention, we declare on, 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 on a state of 
climate emergency. Amazing. So we're yeah. trying to build an environmental friendly constitution and it's going to be very hard to do because a lot of the right wing constituents are just there to protect their economic interests. Right. And this is a country that exports rocks. Yeah. And that's what we do. Yeah. And well, since the 90s that hasn't changed. So it's very problematic uh, for them because all the investments that they have um everybody knows that for for stop this they they have to just leave uh leave all those those um um extractivism um yeah. they're not willing to do it because money is, is right. for them is the main goal and yeah it's the same everywhere i mean in the u.s we came back from COP and Biden immediately um, approved this really massive new um, oil and gas wells, I think, in the Gulf of Mexico. I could be wrong about the details, but I, I just know it was a massive fossil fuel deal that it was literally days after we came back from COP. And I mean, all of that is climate denial because we know, you know, we're this, the Democrats are this party that say we have to listen to the science. But if you ask any scientist, like, can we keep building fossil fuel infrastructure? They'll tell you, no, like, of course we can't keep building new fossil fuel infrastructure. Yeah. That's the last thing we should be doing. Yeah, well, that that's that's the thing CAST is just promoting. Yeah. And we have this, I think we have this similarity, uh, this similarity with the U.S., with Trump. Mm -hmm. um, that I think, I think this, this, of course, the the far right has like this manual of 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 right far right populism, <laughs> yeah. and they're just they going to like, yeah yeah they just, stay on message they stick to it and yeah. well, cast um, he's creating this this public enemy that's migration. Mm, yep, that's the same thing that Trump did. That's the same thing. Definitely, and 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 I think this this. They have this discourse of uh, the far right, the, the fascism, um, to appeal very strongly to those um, middle class um, segments of the population and tell them like, well, this is this has nothing to do with with the neoliberal system. If you don't get education, if you don't have healthcare. It's because, it's not because of the other cap of capitalism, of neoliberalism, it's not because of that. It's because we have migrants, we have immigration, and we have a lot of people who is not a Chilean people, mm -hmm. um, just taking your place right. in jobs, taking your place in healthcare, taking right. your place in education. So we, we, we love our country, we love our flag, we love our, our him, and we need to give Chile to the Chileans. And that makes more sense to the people yeah. who are understudied and, and uneducated. Um, yeah. That make, makes more sense because it's simpler. It's yeah. just... And it, for the right wing, we're, the right wingers are very in, inculcated, they're very... Um, propagandized to really admire the wealthy and also at least like in the US we have this whole 
uh, myth of the American dream, which yeah. is that anybody can become wealthy yes. and you just work hard. And yes. So it's this whole value system of like, well, if someone's wealthy, that means they're probably good and they worked hard and they're good. So yeah. to come to that same person and say like, hey, we can make re- a lot of changes. We have to um, take things from these really wealthy people because they don't deserve them. That just goes up against a very deep-seated ideology, a belief system that they yeah. have, which is that uh, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to get rich. And um, those people worked hard and they got rich, so they're good. And these other people... They are poor. They're poor, so they're yeah. bad. You and, know? and they're poor because they want to be poor. Right. Because they don't effort enough. Mm-hmm. And and that, that that's... Well... We know that that speech, but right. I think it's very hard yeah. for people um, in the left um, to just contest those kind of discourses because right. it's it's harder right. because you have to explain a lot of things. It's that, harder because it all goes back to this again, like you were saying with the Constitution. It's this underlying structure yeah. that yeah. is the issue, and it's hard in a but sound bite yeah, to explain say, that. Yeah. yeah, it's a. a Okay, if I go to an assembly and I say like, all of your problems are, come from come from uh, this structural uh, design system with uh, with a rational um, neoliberalism, economical rationality that right. goes in uh, through all the institutional system and and it just like uh, it's not provided for you because of this re- regulation. And people, and then comes this guy and says, "Like, well, it's that guy's when fault. you go, yeah, <laughs> when you go to to your uh, health um, care, um, it's like yeah, your doctor, your health, your yeah, health no, care provider. what do you see when you're in line? Oh, um, yeah, and you see, and and they, it's well, primary health. Um, we have consultorios. It's like oh, very okay. small." It's not a clinic, it's not a hospital, it's just okay. a, a very small place with primary health. Okay. And all people go there, um, it's part of the public health system. So if you go um, and you see, sometimes they're not gonna, um, you, you're not gonna get uh, healthcare um, attention because there's a migrant in line. That's what you yeah. see. So that's the answer to right. everything. There's someone in front of me in line. It's, yeah, fuck that guy. And, and yeah, yeah, and so they're in our schools taking our jobs and yeah. whatever. And so right. everything that the problem can reduce to that, right? And that's simpler, right? And, and it's just people yeah, just, have just people believe it, fighting over crumbs. And you know what I was saying before too. It's like this almost religious, like the way that people are so committed to the system and the way that we keep them on these like hamster wheels is that like we do promise them like look like that's going to be you someday and like you're going to get you're going to work really hard and then like you can be like these people that you admire so much so any sort of explanation that tells them that everything they've done in their entire life was actually not um necessarily like this this really smart and important thing that they're yeah. doing that they're going to earn their place among yeah. like the good better people so anything they, that shatters that worldview is just something they're not going to want to understand yeah. you know um it's it's for us um i think the left even though we had the example of trump and bolsonaro and the rest of the far right uh, yeah vox in spain yeah um 
we had a lot of examples like um, of, of this going on and on and we haven't learned I believe how to just stand up um, how to stop that yeah and I think there's a lot well there's a lot of things uh, um, you can read about that and and well but my favorite to understand what happened in the US is Wendy Brown <laughs> and and when I read her talking about the far right in the world in the US and Europe and it just it's like I'm reading what's happening in Chile mm -hmm. and so like we we all see saw this coming mm, yep and now there's a slight chance that we're gonna fall into yeah. a far-right regime far far-right far right. regime because so Piñera, it's it's a far-right regime as well yeah. um and I, I it's it's like I don't believe it yeah. but also I do believe it yeah and I don't, I don't think that's our responsibility, but yeah. politicians and people um, who are like activists and we need to just do something and, and it's not just a regional thing. I yeah. believe it is mm -hmm. a worldwide thing that um, needs solidarity, international solidarity and it's very hard. Yeah. It's very hard, but it's something that we have to learn and fast. Yeah, well said. And, uh, you know, I think one thing that is so challenging is that even though individuals as individuals and uh, people in politics were really bound to these sort of um, national borders. Uh, but where it comes to when it comes to capital and the uber wealthy and the oligarchy and uh, major corporate actors, they're not really bound by any sort of artificial borders or laws. They can kind of go around the world and decide what laws they want to obey. Mm. So the right has this very big advantage of being able to play nations against each other. You know, it's not mm. like the workers can say, hey, you know what, we're not getting a very good wage in Chile, so we're all going to go to Argentina. But Amazon can do that. You know, Amazon can say, hey, you know what, you're making us pay the workers too much in yeah. uh, Pakistan, so now we're going to go to Bangladesh. And that's like very, very... Um, two very different realities that we have to face down. Um, and I think the first step, though, comes in, you know, as you guys here are doing, a sort of understanding where the structural issues are and trying to address those. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think we need to wrap up here. But before you go, I mean, again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, is there, you know, what, do you, what are you thinking about what's going to happen on Sunday? And, you know, do you think there's going to be a runoff? What are, you, what are your thoughts on Sunday's election? I'm hopeful. Hopeful is good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to just remain hopeful. I think um, I think we, we had a good campaign. Um, it's it's going to be, well, it's good. It's going to be, you're, you're going to notice that a lot of people vote for, for the center left, um, not not just Gabriel Boric, but but it's gonna. I think it's gonna be more like we're gonna have more votes, but it's gonna be hard because mm -hmm. 
one of the, I think, because of the right uh, politicians here in Chile are just destroyed their um, credibility mm -hmm. and they destroy their, their parties. Um, now, because of that, their candidate that it's right, <laughs> just, yeah, just, just right, right. and it's right. um, yeah. not far right, uh, that candidate is, um, it was, I think it was our hope that he could concentrate all those votes and so cast just kept in the, in the, in the first, in the first um, row. So for the second election, I hope we will have Gabriel Boric and probably a center-right mm, candidate, okay. um, maybe Jasna Proboste, okay. hopefully. hopefully. Um, but that's me being very optimistic. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, so we are going to be watching that closely. Um, by the time this airs, I think it's going to go up tomorrow, and then so the next day, Sunday, is going to be election day, and we'll definitely keep you all posted as those are results you gonna are. Are you going to be there? I'm going to be going around and talking to people. So, yeah, um, definitely excited to so see what happens. So, probably we'll meet on Sunday um, at the presidential um, command of Gary Oh, Boric. okay. That would be amazing. Yeah, and maybe I can do some live streams. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, thanks, everybody, and thanks for tuning in, and we'll keep you up to date as this uh, election gets underway. La imagen por la cual vale la pena arriesgar la vida, sacrificarse hasta la muerte en los campos de batalla de todos los continentes del mundo. Comité, comitato, comitiet, comitato, corul, comité, we're young, we're submitting, we're committing.